right, I'd like you to open your Bibles if you have them with you to uh, Luke chapter 5. And we're going to begin reading in just a minute in verse 12. Luke 5, verse 12. And we're going to talk tonight about there's healing in the presence of God. Amen. And so my main thought out of this scripture passage is in the uh, 17th verse here, talking about Jesus and his ministry there, it says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Hallelujah. You know, the presence of God is an awesome thing. To be in the presence of God. Remember, you're in the presence of the creator of the universe. He's holy. He's awesome, and when you're in his presence, it changes things. In Psalm 16, verse 11, it said, In his presence is fullness of joy. Think about that. Fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You know, we've got a whole world full of people looking for pleasure, but God says, you know what, there's pleasure right here with me in my presence. And I love being with the Lord, amen? Isn't that wonderful just to spend time with him and to be in his presence? And I tell you, it changes things. It, the uh, verses we're going to read here, we're going to see there was people healed in his presence. Jesus came and he brought the very presence of God with him. You know, I think about Isaiah when he, it says in uh, Isaiah 6, that he saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And, and the angels were crying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Think about what it's like to be in the presence of the Lord. You know, the Bible tells us that what we have now as New Testament Christians is actually just an earnest of the inheritance that we have in heaven. Now, heaven is going to be filled, the atmosphere will be filled with the glory of God. But I come to tell you tonight, we can taste of that glory here on earth, amen? And we can see change come into our lives. We can see strongholds broken that cannot be broken any other way. Because when you come in the presence of the Lord, it changes you. And you know, the prophet saw, Isaiah saw the Lord. His train filled the temple. The angels saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And he said, woe is me. I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. You know, when you get in the presence of a holy God, you see, you know, your own lack. You see the things that aren't right in your life. Praise God. But you know what? God doesn't do that to condemn us. He brings those things to light so he can cleanse us of those things and bring forth his power in our life. And the angel came and touched, you know, Isaiah's lips and said, you know, your sin is purged. Praise God. And uh, he said, who's going to go for me? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. So believe, I believe tonight that our lives are going to be changed as we step into the presence of God and receive what he has for us. Can I have an amen tonight? Now, you're going to have to learn to amen when I'm around, folks. <laughs> you, need, you need further training in this, okay? Can I have an amen? Amen. All right, praise God, hallelujah. All right, so uh, 
that's the main focus, but I want to read some of these scriptures around here because there's some really important teaching in here that I think will help us to receive from the Lord. And so we want to begin here in verse 12, and I'm going to read and just comment a little bit on some of these verses. It says, And it came to pass that when he was in a certain city, that's Jesus, behold, a man full of leprosy. Have you ever seen leprosy? In India, I've seen people with leprosy. It's a hideous, horrible disease. And there's no cure in the natural. Seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Or, common language, if you want to, you can make me clean. It said the leper came and fell on his face. In Matthew, we see that He's, what he's doing there and when he fell on his face is worshiping. He came and he worshiped Jesus. And he had a revelation about Jesus' power. He said, if you want to, you can make me well. Now that's a good thing to know about, amen? For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Is that right? Praise God. And by the way, thanks, thanks to those of you that invited people to come. That's great. Because you care about your friend, you know, and invited them to come. So he had a revelation of the power of Jesus Christ. He knew that Jesus could heal him. But he wasn't sure if he wanted to. He said, if you want to, you can. So he had a question about one part. He, he knew about the power of Jesus Christ, amen, but his question is, do you want to heal me? And there's a lot of folks today that have that question. Well, I know the Lord can, you know, but does he want to? Or a lot of times we'll hear, well, when the Lord gets good and ready, he'll heal me. But here's the case when someone came and said, if you want to, you can. So we're going to learn something about Jesus Christ here, aren't we? We're going to learn how he operated. And it said in verse 13, and he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. The Phillips translation says, certainly I want to be clean. Certainly I want to. Jesus wants to heal you. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> I said, Jesus wants to heal you. He loves you. He wants the best for you. Amen? Every time someone came to Jesus in faith, he healed them. The only place I can see in the scripture where he almost didn't was that Syrophoenician woman who was a non-Jew, non-covenant woman, and she had to kind of talk him into it <laughs> and saying that, you know, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table, and she got healed too. There was a case where uh, people were not healed of any, there wasn't any great healings in his hometown. And it said Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. So there's things that can hinder us from receiving. Unbelief is just one of them. But he wants us well. He wants you fixed. He wants that problem that you came in here with, he wants you to leave without it. Whether it's physical or emotional, or spiritual, or you need healing in your family, 
or there's something that's bound you up and hindered you, he wants you set free, amen? He wants the best for you. And so he said, I will be thou clean, or the Philip says, be clean. Now, one thing I want you to notice here, again, I'm not going to take a lot of time with this, but there's certain things I want you to see here. When Jesus ministered healing to people, Generally, he didn't pray a long prayer and say, oh, dear Father, you know, please do this and this and this. He just gave a command, be clean. You know, just short prayers or commands. That's the way he operated. Even when he rose, uh, raised uh, Lazarus from the dead, he said, Lazarus, come forth. He was praying before, and he said to the Father, he says, Father, I thank you. You have heard my prayer. I believe Jesus prayed before he was in the situations. Amen. But when he ministered to people, most often you'll see he ministered by command or just a direct, direct, you know, release healing. Woman, thou art loosed from thy infirmity and so on. Okay. And we're going to see another instance here if we get that far tonight of how he did that. You say, well, that's Jesus. Well, I know that's Jesus. He, he was, uh, he had the spirit without measure. He ministered with a powerful anointing, but he was a man. The Bible said in, in Philippians 2, he emptied himself and became like a man. And then he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And so the way he operated is the way he wants us to operate. And he even said to his disciples, which is us, as believers, he said, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go unto the Father. So he told us to do the same stuff. Amen? Like John, John Wimmer said, when are we going to do the stuff? Right? And we're supposed to do the stuff. We're supposed to cast out demons, heal the sick, amen? We're supposed to help set the captives free. That's our job. And you see, in the book of Acts, they ministered that same way. They ministered by command. It wasn't, and now I'm not, I'm not talking against praying long prayers. I'm just noticing how they ministered. So if you'll see us command, don't think we're being arrogant or something, because that's what we see in the Bible. But in the book of Acts, you see the same thing. That's how the disciples and the apostles, how that, that's how they operated. You know, In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. The only difference was that they spoke in the name of Jesus because they were under delegated authority, and they used his name, and then they commanded. And that's how healing came. So then he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing according to Moses' command, for a testimony unto them. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Here I want you to notice that they came to what? To hear and to be healed. Sometimes we think, well, we just want to get to somebody that knows how to pray and, and be healed. But in Jesus' ministry, he ministered the word. Amen. And we see in the book of Acts that, or in, in Mark, I'm sorry, in the end of Mark, when Jesus gave the great commission and said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. And then later it says, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And then it says, they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord confirming the word with signs following. 
It wasn't that they just were to go forth with, you know, the great anointing, but they were to preach the word. And then the Lord confirms the word. See, the Lord confirms his word. He gives a promise. We believe it. We act on it. And it happens. And that's the way it works with the gospel. His gospel is proclaimed. Jesus died for our sins on the cross. He was buried. He rose again. We believe it. We act upon it. And we're saved. Hallelujah. He does a miracle. But he uses his word. So they came to hear and to be healed. So here's all these people. Because of the miracles they're seeing, they're coming to Jesus because they have needs in their life. Praise God. That's what I like to see here in Mankato. Amen. That God would just begin a revival of healing. Not only in this church, but all the churches in the whole community. And that Jesus would manifest himself in healing power. But they, they were coming, and then it said in verse 16, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Well, here's my point on that. If Jesus needed to pray, how much more do we? Amen? Jesus needed to pull away and refresh himself spiritually and spend time with his Father so that he could come back and minister to the people. So he withdrew himself. You know, all these people are coming. He says, well, I'm going to get with my Father. So he withdraws himself and he prays and then he comes back. And I believe he came back in the power of the Spirit because you see, it said in verse 17, and it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So there was a power there in that situation to bring healing to people. Jesus had prayed. He came back. Now, there's Pharisees and doctors of the law. And some of these people were skeptics. They were against his ministry. And, you know, as a preacher, I can appreciate the fact that in spite of the fact that there was opposition, the Lord was still present. The power of the Lord was present to heal. Because sometimes when there's opposition, it can hinder uh, the flow of the Holy Spirit. But apparently what was going on there was so strong that it didn't matter if they were opposed to it. And we're going to see, as we read a little later, a paralytic man, a man is healed right in front of them, and they complained about it. But nevertheless, there was power. The power of the Lord was present to heal. Hallelujah. Now, as I said, we want to talk about the presence of the Lord. Think about this. If you look at the Bible, the overall picture of the Bible, we could say that the story of the Bible is the story of man's departure from the presence of the Lord and his eventual return. Is that right? Because in the, in the garden, Adam and Eve walked in the presence of God. In fact, the Bible said that they were clothed in his glory. You know, I think it's Psalm 8 says, Who is man that you're mindful of him? You have clothed him with glory. I mean, mankind was clothed with the glory of God. I think probably maybe that's why Adam and Eve didn't need clothing. They were clothed with the glory, the present, the, you know, just the glory, the glow of God was upon them. They were really walking in a supernatural uh, position with God. 
And God was there. You know, it says he walked with them in the cool of the day. He was there. They, in, the presence, in their presence, they were with the Lord. Hallelujah. That's paradise. And everything was good. There was no sickness. There was no divorce. There was no, you know, uh, social problems. I mean, it was all good. But the snake came in the garden, right, and tempted Eve and Adam. And, you know, they ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God had forbidden them to eat. They had rebelled against God. They decided they wanted to make their own decision about right and wrong. They didn't really want to live under God's plan. So they disobeyed him. And God had said, the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. Okay? How many know they didn't die physically, but they died spiritually? They were separated from God. And so when God came that day to come down and walk with them in the cool of the day and spend time with them, it says they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. There was a barrier in their relationship with God. And, of course, then, then God talked to them and discovered, as if he, he didn't know, but he got out of them what had happened and so forth. And eventually then they were driven from the Garden of Eden and cherubims were at the gates of the garden with flaming swords to keep them from getting back in uh, so that they wouldn't be able to eat the tree of life because they were in a fallen state. So because of their sin, they basically had separated themselves from God. But not only that, God set up a barrier so they couldn't come back in. See, sin separates us from God. So that's the situation. You know, mankind's in trouble because the Bible said in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, that because of their sin, sin passed on the human race. And because of that sin, death passed on the human race. So there's this state of spiritual death on all of us because of what our great granddaddy and grandma, Adam and Eve, did. When I go to India, I tell them, hey, I'm your long-lost relative. I may not look like you, but we're related. Because we're all related, and we've all got a sin problem. But how many know, folks, that's why Jesus came. Amen? Jesus came to redeem us and to restore us to fellowship with God. Amen? See, it's not just about, you know, having a card that says, I was, I'm a member of XYZ Church, or I, I was baptized here and there, there, or, you know. It's not just about fire insurance either. It's about a relationship. Jesus died to give us a relationship. Jesus died to bring us back to God. It said in 1 Peter 3, 18, he suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, to bring us to God. Jesus suffered for sin. He never sinned, but he suffered for sin, the just for the unjust. So when he went to that cross, he went because of my sin. And he paid the price for that sin, that that could be eradicated, remitted, removed, Deleted. Amen? Y'all have a delete button on your computer? Well, God deleted your sin through Jesus Christ and gave you a way to come back in to the presence of God. Hallelujah. And you know, when Jesus died on that cross, the Bible tells us the veil of the temple was rent. See, the veil of the temple, the temple was set up in such a way it was to contain the presence of God. They had the tabernacle in the wilderness and then, you know, Solomon's temple and then the temple that was there when Jesus 
came. And there was a veil that separated the rest of that temple from the place they called the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was where God lived. And you just weren't allowed to go there. Even though they had all these sacrifices and all these things that they did, they weren't really brought into righteousness so that they could come into the presence of God. But there was a remembrance of their sin. There was a covering of sin. But they didn't have what we have. The Old Testament saints didn't have what we have as New Testament Christians. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was rent. The Lord thus signifying that the way is now made into the Holy of Holies. Jesus made the way. So those cherubims with the flaming sword, you know, that was removed. The way was made. Jesus says in John uh, chapter 10, he says, I am the door. He said, it's all about Jesus tonight. It's all about Jesus because he's the door. See? He's the door into this presence. In the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. At his right hand, there's pleasure forevermore. In the presence of God, there's deliverance from sin. There's deliverance from the power of sin. There's deliverance from sickness and disease. There's healing in his presence. And Jesus has made the way for us to enter that presence, to come in to the presence of God and be repaired. Hallelujah. To be restored, to be healed. You know, Jesus made the statement in John 17. He says, this is life eternal that they might know thee, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. So Jesus came to restore us. His purpose was to restore us and to give us life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way. Jesus is the way. He's the door. But how many know we have to walk through the door? You know, Jesus made the way, but it's not automatic. We have to make the decision, you know, to accept his offer of grace, his forgiveness, turn from our sins and believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and then we can come in to all he has for us. Amen? I remember the first time, I guess I would say I experienced the presence of God was when I was nine years old. <clears throat> I was in a... Baptist church. My mother took me to church. My dad was not a church-going man. But it was an Easter Sunday, and they were preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, how he died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried, and he rose again the third day, and the Holy Spirit was doing something in my heart. And that gospel message, I had heard it before, but it was coming alive in my heart there. And there was a drawing of the Holy Spirit and uh, there was an altar call there, and I went forward, and I prayed what we called the sinner's prayer, nine years old. And uh, it was a real, genuine experience. However, I was not born again because I didn't really, I didn't really surrender to the Lord. I didn't really repent. <clears throat> and this is something I tell people all over the world, and I mean, you can read it in your own Bible, but uh, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand, Repent ye and believe the gospel. You know, if you read, that's his first message in Mark. He says, the kingdom of God is at, what's a kingdom? The kingdom is 
an entity that has a king. Jesus is king. Can you say tonight, Jesus is king? So the kingdom of God is an entity which has a king, and his name is Jesus. He said the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now we think sometimes repent's a negative word. Man, repent's a glorious word. Repent means turn around from the way you're going, amen, and come to God. I mean, quit following the path to destruction, make a U-turn, and come to the Lord. And he gives us the ability to do that. Amen? And I believe that's a very, very important part of healing, is to repent. Amen? If there's something in your life that's not right or even questionable, man, just get it right with the Lord tonight and be cleansed of that. Be free. Because he, when, when you repent and you believe, he cleanses you. And you're right with the Lord. It's wonderful to be right with the Lord. And by the way, even Christians can be not right with the Lord in the sense of there's something, there's a hindrance in your fellowship. Yeah, you're saved, you're born again, you're going to heaven, but, you know, you're not doing everything just right. And there's a little hindrance in your relationship with the Lord. You've got an uneasiness in your spirit. And that's a signal that you need to come back to the Lord and say, Lord, just show me what's going on here. Forgive me. And when you turn to the Lord, then, you're reconnected. You know, that fellowship is restored, and God's life begins to minister. Your joy is restored. Remember, David said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit in me. So healing, see, part of healing is, is reconnecting with God. If there's something hindering, something standing in the way of your fellowship with God, get rid of that tonight, amen? Just make a decision in your heart to lay that aside and come to the Lord and let him refresh you. And by the way, he'll give you the ability to overcome things in your life. So, as I said, when I was nine years old, I went forward and I prayed that prayer, but I didn't really repent. So then, of course, when you get in your teenage years, there's a lot of influence, and I began to run with the wrong crowd, got into a lot of drinking, a lot of sin. When I went to college, then it was the the 70s, there was a lot of drugs. I got into drugs. And uh, I was far away from the Lord. I was far away from God. In fact, you know, I was, I was deceived. But then in 1977, I encountered a group of ex-hippie Christians in southern Minnesota and began to be drawn to the Lord and uh, experienced God in the presence of God in, in a service um, and began to seek God as far as I knew how to. I was reading the Bible. Susan was reading the Bible. We were praying. We were going to church every time the doors opened. But we weren't saved. You know, you can, go to, you can go to church and read your Bible and pray and still not be saved. Well, I'm a testimony. You know, I was witnessing to a fellow here. Uh, this is probably a few years ago, but I, I was talking to him about his salvation. He says, well, how dare you talk to me about that? I pray and I go to church. Well, good, but you have to have an experience called the new birth. You have to let Jesus come in your life and rule and reign. Amen. And uh, I hadn't done that. But I had an experience with the Lord, uh, a minister friend, 
You know, I had gone through really a struggle. I felt like the devil was pulling me one way, God was pulling me in the other. And one night I went and visited this minister, and he laid hands on me, and this peace came all over me. And I said, oh, that's what I need. I felt God's presence. And he says, well, you need to, you know, you need to surrender your life to the Lord. You need to be baptized. So I went that night, and I was baptized. And after I was baptized, my wife and I drove home. And by the way, she had already had an experience with the Lord and had been cleansed and born again. But I had not yet. Sometimes us guys are a little slower than you ladies. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but I drove home and I was praying I was seeking the Lord for the baptism of the Holy Spirit because these people in this church they had this experience with God and I was I started I was sitting in this truck and I'm thinking about my drugs and my alcohol and the things that I was doing and I, and I had this thought well now that this has happened things are going to be different now I'll just do that once in a while and all of a sudden, I heard the voice of God speak to me. And this is what the Lord said. He said, turn from the things of the world. And I knew he was putting his finger on things in my life. I, and I just, you know, I heard God, folks, I heard God speak. This had never happened. I heard God talk to me. Turn from the things of the world. And I just, there really wasn't anything else to do but just say, yes, Lord. And right there, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, this flood of his glory and his presence came all over me. Uh, I, I don't know how to, be, how to describe it except just being baptized with power, just his power just, whoosh, just coming all over me. And the Lord uh, began to speak to me again after that. And this is, what, this is the first thing. There's three things I remember the Lord spoke to me. All these years, it's 40 years ago now. The first thing was this. Precious is the blood of the Lamb, which was shed for you. See, I mean, you could repent till you're blue in the face, but if it wasn't for, for the blood of Jesus, what he did on the cross, amen, you couldn't be forgiven. But it's because of that blood we can enter in. You know, Hebrews 10, uh, verse 19, it says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to, to enter in, to the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through his flesh, through his body. The blood gives us access. The other thing I remember the Lord said to me is, I give you a new life, free from the bonds of iniquity. So I had been a slave to alcohol and drugs. I couldn't quit. But from that day, I was set free. <laughs> I've never had that bondage in my life ever since then. Praise God. I haven't wanted it. And then the other thing I remember very distinctly, he said, live a holy life, which I've endeavored to do. And I believe that we need to understand God has called his church to be a holy people and to live in his presence. Amen? Now, I said you need more training in this amen stuff. Can I have a good amen on that? He wants us to be a pure people. Now, we can't live a sinless life that I know of. I haven't been able to. But we can at least try. We can at least walk towards God every day, and when we miss it, confess our sin, and he's got an answer for that. 
He says, confess your sin. He is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Praise God. The next outstanding time I experienced the presence of God is many years later, I was a pastor, and we were in, living in uh, North Dakota, and there was a man there named Richard Aberly. He owned some land, and our church wanted to buy some land and build a building, so we were talking to him, and as we were talking to him, he started talking about a sickness that he had, which is high triglycerides. And when he did that, the compassion of the Lord came on me, and I said, Richard, can we pray for, for you? And I laid hands on him, and he was healed of high triglycerides. He went back to the doctor. It, it went from 1,500 to between two and 300 normal. It went back to normal. In fact, they tested him three times because the doctor said there's no way you can go from 1,500 to normal, just like that, but he did. But later, this man we heard he had developed a tumor in his colon. And so I said, Richard, can I come and pray for you? And he said, certainly. So I went over to his house, and his wife was there, and we just sat, and we started, we had a Bible study, and we just studied the Word of God on healing. Exodus 15, 26, I am the Lord that healeth thee. You know, Psalm uh, 103, uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. And then we were studying, you know, in Isaiah 53, the great redemptive chapter, where it says, Surely he has borne your sicknesses and carried your pains. That's the literal translation of Isaiah 53, 4. And it says also there, by his stripes you were healed. It also says he took, uh, he was wounded for your Peace, the chastisement of your peace was upon him. So we were just studying the scriptures and, you know, uh, 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes you were healed. We took time and just studied the scripture. I said, Richard, are, are you ready for prayer? He says, most definitely. So he stood in the middle of the room, in the living room, and I went over and I laid hands on him. And it just seemed to me that that entire living room was just filled with the presence of God, just the glory of God just saturated that, that area there. And when I laid hands on him, I was just impressed to say, in the name of Jesus, I command that tumor to shrivel in the name of Jesus. Well, he said, after I left, he told me that he had a, a release. <laughs> That's the nicest way I can say it. He went to the bathroom and had a release. You know, he had this tumor, which was hindering his system. So uh, I thought, thought maybe we'd just show you. you ever, I guess you didn't think you'd come to church and see a colonoscopy. But there's what it looked like. And the date on there is uh, January 11th, 95. And we commanded it to shrivel. When they went back in, that's... March 95, that's what it looked like. Praise the Lord. So they, that's like a polyp, I guess that's what they call that. They took it out, and of course then they do a biopsy, but they lost it. So they couldn't do a biopsy. So then they had to have him in for another colonoscopy. They went in, there was nothing there. They said, you're fine, you're healed. And the last I heard that this man, he was old, 
quite a bit older than me. He's still living and living in Bismarck, North Dakota now. Can somebody say praise the Lord? <laughs> so God is real, you know, and there's, there's so many benefits to the presence of God. We just had a, a service um, a few weeks ago in North Dakota also. By the way, I think if God can heal in North Dakota, he can heal anywhere. <laughs> Sometimes we say, well, it's, you showed that testimony about India. That's India. Well, yeah, but God does it in North Dakota too. And so we just, a couple weeks ago, we had uh, four days of revival in a Lutheran church in North Dakota, if you can believe it. And God healed people. And the last night I was preaching, like I am tonight, about the presence of God. And that was actually the strongest service. And God just healed a number of people. And there were several people that were healed that we never even laid hands on. They were healed during the, during the service or during the worship, just in the presence of God. And they testified. One lady had a severe neck problem, was healed. There was another guy that had a sciatica problem. And then there was one other person that was healed, uh, just being there. So it's good you're here, folks. Amen. The Lord's here, and he's able and willing to heal. So let's read this last passage of Scripture here. So in uh, Luke 5. 18, Behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by which way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And verse 20, it says, And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Now here are these friends of this fellow that had a problem, wanted to get him to Jesus, and there were so many people they couldn't get, get him to him, so they tore the tile off the roof and let him down. And it said when Jesus saw their faith, he responded to these people who cared enough about this man to bring him and tear the roof off and, and drop him down. And he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this that speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he said unto them, why reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go to thy house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, doing what? Hallelujah. And they were all amazed, and they did what? Glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. So these Pharisees, they're saying, Jesus, you, you can't forgive sins. He's, he says, well, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or rise up and take, take up your bed and walk? He says, but that you might know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he turns to him, he says, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. The guy gets up and walks. See, healing is a demonstration of God's mercy in the physical realm. It shows 
his mercy, which also extends into the spiritual realm in the area of forgiveness. Healing and forgiveness are linked together in the scriptures. As we said in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. They go hand in hand. In James, he says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if they've committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. It doesn't say that all sickness is caused by sin, but it says if there's a hindrance there because of sin, that'll be taken care of too through the anointing of oil and the prayer of faith. So there's a link there, see? So when you come for healing, get forgiven too, amen? God wants to bring forgiven, forgiveness. There's three things I say, see in, in um, really key issues in coming into the presence of God. Number one is repentance, just turning to God away from anything that's wrong, anything questionable, and letting God just have your life, just coming to him. The second thing is the blood of Jesus. That's what gives us access. Honor the blood of Jesus. And the third thing is worship. Worship is so important. The, the uh, Greek word translated worship in the New Testament, uh, one of the meanings is to kiss towards. Basically, worship is loving God. And that's how you can tap into his eternal power and glory. You come in with worship, but you come through the blood. And you come with repentance, amen. And God opens that door and he says, come on, come on in, enjoy. Come into my tabernacle, come into my presence and receive, you know, what I have for you. So in just a minute here, I want to invite those who would like to pray for the most important healing of all, and that's the healing in your relationship with God. But tonight you can do that. You can just pray and, and turn to him and be healed. You know, it's like, it's like if a husband and wife are separated, estranged, there's a separation in their relationship. When they come back together, it's, that's healed. And that's what it is with God. We're healed in our relationship with God. So if you're here tonight and there's, there's some kind of separation between you and the Lord, hey, he's wanting you back. <laughs> you know, he's not pushing you away. I mean, in fact, like the prodigal son, when he came, he ran out to meet him. You know, he's ready. Amen. But see, he can't bless us the way he wants to when we're away from him. So we can come to him in prayer. That's why we give an opportunity for those that want to come, you know, in prayer to have your relationship with the Lord healed. So just before we do that, I want to just have a holy moment, if we wouldn't, just, just bow our heads here before the Lord. And just your thoughts between you and the Lord, where you're at. And I just want to ask this question tonight, which is just with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, how many would say, you know what, I need tonight, I need a healing in my relationship with God. If that's you, would you lift your hand? See that hand, are there others? See that hand, are there others? I need a healing tonight in my relationship with the Lord. Okay, praise the Lord. All right. Any others? 
All right, I would like to pray with you. If you raise your hand, would you just come and we're just going to pray a simple prayer here of healing in your relationships with God. Thank you for listening to this message from Tom Shanklin Ministries. More teachings, podcasts, and reports are on our website at tomshanklin.org. You can also reach us by mail at Tom Shanklin Ministries, Post Office Box 4144, Mankato, Minnesota, 56002, USA.